This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Ready for a great adventure? Join Mary Beth and Stephen Curtis Chapman on an Alaskan cruise next summer. Start planning now so you can see the fingerprints of God as you explore Skagway, Juneau, and Victoria, British Columbia. Dive into teaching, music, storytelling, fellowship, and much more. You'll want to be able to say, I will be here, and have someone go there with you. Invite a friend, your husband, your Bible study group. There's really no better place to live out loud. Register today and we'll see you there. Lifeway.com slash cruise. And welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heinemann, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. We're going to talk about Mother's Day and a little bit about moms today, even though I know you're probably like, I'm not a mom, so but yes. but but Stay you tuned. have a mom, right? Everyone's a as daughter. A, as a non-mom, I can tell you this is not going to be your typical Mother's Day episode. So please stay tuned. Yes, yes. I, I think we need to say that up front. Yes, <laughs> yes. absolutely. So today on the podcast, we're so excited to re- welcome Chelsea Sobolik. Hello, Chelsea. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we are so excited to talk with you. I, we were talking before we hit record. We've had you on our list for a little while now, and this just seemed like a great time. So we're excited to talk to you about all the things. But first, just tell our listeners a little bit about you, who you are, where you live, what you do, your family, all those things. Well, I will try to keep this brief, uh, but I live and work um, in the Washington, D.C. area, and I've been here about a decade now. Time absolutely flies. Uh, But my husband and I, um, Michael and I, live in Northern Virginia, and um, by day, I do uh, policy and advocacy for an organization called Lifeline Children's Services. Um, It's a holistic care organization for vulnerable women, children, and families. Um, And we do everything from domestic adoption, foster care, family reunification, to international adoption and global orphan care. So I think I have the best job in the world. I get to advocate for for children. So I love what I get to do by day. And then on my off time, I uh, write. I love to write. Um, Just finished my second book. Um, well, finishing the edits of my second book right now, um, but that'll come out in October. So that's a little bit about me. I grew up in North Carolina um, with with my family. Um, I'm only one. I'm one of six kids. I'm the only one who left North Carolina, um, but it's a quick and easy drive down there. Well, I have to say, Washington, D.C. is probably one of my favorite cities. There's just so much to do there. And I'm curious, we didn't ask you this in the questions beforehand. So when you talk about your job, what does that involve, like you going to Capitol Hill? Like, like, are you meeting, like, how are you doing that job? I'm I'm really curious. Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm with you, Kelly. I love the city. I I think it's beautiful. There's so much to do. There's good food. I I 
have fallen in love with it. But um, yeah, so I'm meeting with um, members of Congress. Most of the time, it's their staff um, educating them on um, the issues. So the way I describe it is we're advocating for good policies to advance forward that will help women, children, and families flourish and then help stave off bad policies. So there's a bill last fall called the Respect for Marriage Act that would change the legal definition of marriage. We were advocating against that, not only because of the harms for um, religious liberty, uh, particularly faith-based adoption and foster care agencies, but also on the harm the harms for children. So, um, yeah, meeting with, with staff um, and helping educate. Um, so a lot of the time that's me coming in and saying, hey, I'd like to tell you about Lifeline and here's some of the things we're working on. And, and oftentimes, you know, this particular issue isn't the most popular issue in Washington, D.C. So it really is a lot of educating. Um, but people ask good questions and, um, you know, I want them to view Lifeline as an expert on these issues. Um, so that's, that's a little bit of, of what I do day to day. Well, I, and I wonder too, like, okay, so what is your degree in? And were you, did you kind of hope for this? Or is this how, how did you kind of fall into this work? So my undergrad degree um, is in international relations. And long story short, I was headed overseas. The Lord majorly redirected my steps to to Washington, D.C. But the thing that I love so much about that redirection is the nations are in Washington as well. There's so many different um, there's refugee populations. There's there's people from all over the world, um, and I, I love that about this city that it is very um, global in that sense. So the Lord answered my prayer um, just in a, di- a different way. Wow, that's fun. That's really cool. Also, thank you, Kelly, for asking us questions because well, I think a lot of people are wondering just, about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm um, curious. I I am woefully ignorant on the government and how all of that works, <laughs> and so that's very helpful to know. Um, what you do because I feel like I hear people be like I'm I do this and I'm just like cool 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 I have no idea what that means so I'm really thankful I'm thankful for what you do and I'm thankful for Kelly for clarifying that for us all Um, so you mentioned that you have written two books now but your first one is called longing for motherhood so tell us a little bit about that book and how it came about so I wrote this book um, really to tell my my story and my experience. And at the time of me writing this book, it's changed quite a lot. Um, in the, even the time since I've released that book, but certainly when I was first navigating childlessness well over a decade ago, there just weren't that many books on the, the bookshelf on this topic, but my story is a little bit unique with childlessness. Um, I actually was 18 years old and single and a freshman in college when I found out that I was born with a somewhat rare medical condition that would prevent me from having children. And most people walk through infertility or miscarriage in the context of marriage, but I was completely alone. And um, I had grown up in a very strong Christian home. And this is the first kind of real personal encounter with suffering that I had. My family had walked through some things, but that's, you have your family to kind of shield you 
from some of those hard things. But I have been a lifelong reader. So I walked out of the doors of the doctor's office and into my local bookstore. And there just weren't that many, again, books on the shelf that fit me. There were some that were from different theological perspectives or some that were pretty narrowly targeted. Um, and I've been very intentional in with longing for motherhood to use the, the terminology terminology childlessness because that certainly encompassed me at the time who is single and and navigating some health stuff um but it it certainly incorporates you know the one in ten couples who are struggling with infertility the one in four pregnancies that end in miscarriage but it also um casts a wider net for single women who want to be married and have children for women who have had abortions and don't have children because of a choice they've made. And then lastly, for uh, women who have made adoption plans and don't have their children because of an adoption plan they've made. So I really wanted to cast a, a wide net with that term. I gave myself years of, of healing to write the book um, so that I wasn't writing from an open wound, but, and we might get into this later, um, I also didn't want to write it from a place of there's a neat red bow on my story. Um, I'm married and my husband and I are in the adoption process, but our son's not home yet. And while I hope with every fiber of my being that our adoption is successful, um, I really wanted to show in the middle of in the middle of still longing for motherhood that God is still good, that he um he sees and knows in the middle of the hurt and the pain. And um, so I, I was very intentional with, with when I, I chose to share because I, again, I hope it, our adoption successful, but even if it's not, and even if it is um, God's, God's goodness isn't dependent on, on that. Um, and I wanted to be able to show that to, to others who are walking through similar struggles. Well, I love I, that. Yeah. That's so good and so wise of you, for yeah. sure. I, I think there are a lot of women who are in that same boat. I mean, I, I feel like mm-hmm. there's just a lot of women who there's this longing, and it can be like the circumstances can be different, but the longing might still be there. And I think even, even if it's not motherhood, we all have longings, right? So Let's let's talk a little bit about that. What what are some of the common issues that women experience when longings kind of go unfulfilled? What are some of the emotions, maybe some of the the things that, that women go through? I'm going to start narrow um, with childlessness in particular, and then go a little bit broader. But when I first started walking through childlessness, and I think many women, whether it's with childlessness or, or different circumstances. Um, my identity as a woman was the first thing that I began to really examine because I thought if I can't have biological children, um, you know, uh, uh, there was a lot of lies of, am I a second class woman? What is my, what does God say about womanhood in light of the fall? Um, and so I, I think in many different ways in, in different longings that we have as women, um, that can come up and creep up, whether it's a body that's not able to do what we want it to do um, and being physically, um, having to physically uh, accept that reality and, and navigate those longings. But I mean, I think something, a, a 
kind of that undergirds a lot of whether it's childlessness or so many other things that we walk through is um, misplaced identity, comparison, envy, jealous, you know, anytime that we shift our gaze from the Lord, I think uh, this is probably true for every Christian, but we are so tempted in so many different ways. And I know, I mean, even for me, I, I still do long for children and I also long for a beautiful home and I long for this. And I, I'm just, if I'm not careful, my longing list can get quite long. Um, but I think that's why it's so important to regularly refocus our vision and um, ask God to give us hearts that beat after his instead of um, getting so focused on, on what we lack. Um, Cause I think, again, for me, I, I think it can be so easy to focus on, well, she has that and I don't. And um, in my particular story, one of the things I really had to wrestle through is um, I am the oldest girl of six children. I um, was always kind of the goody two shoes. I knew, I knew that my good behavior um, in my home would usually earn me favor or you know, two plus two equals four. If you do this, then this is the outcome. And for the first time walking through childlessness, it, I, I had done nothing to be to be born with, with the body I had. And um, so I think even in those things where you, you look at your story and say, I've, I've done nothing to deserve this, um, still trusting God with his sovereignty over the story he's chosen to write for us. Um, and then, there's probably women who on the flip side have made decisions that have um, negatively impacted their stories and they might be struggling with guilt or shame over that. And at the same time, um, looking to God's sovereignty and that God's grace is big enough um, for all of us. And I think we never graduate from the gospel and we need it in, um, every single day. So that was a very long answer to a, no, that's a short question. And I love how you linked it to identity, because I think no matter what we're longing for, whether it's a job or a beautiful house or motherhood or a spouse or whatever it may be, that is always, I think for me personally, and I, I won't speak for all women, but I do think it's women have, women struggle with this somewhat in all those areas of just being like, okay, who am I if I don't have this. And I've even struggled with it with a job um, that I've like longed for. I'm like, if I were to lose my job, who would I be? So kind of like, even if you have the thing that you longed for, making sure that you're not putting all of your identity and all of your self-worth into that thing. Even if you have children, not being just a mom, Um, not that just a mom is a thing, but you know what I mean? Like we are first and foremost, children of God. And so that should be our identity. And I think that's something that we need, we inhabit while, or we can practice while we're longing, but it's something that we continue to have to remind ourselves of even once we have the thing that we've longed for. And we'll always be longing for something else. I think that's the human condition. Well, I mean, isn't that like, we're, we're longing for a better place, a better home, a a better eternity. And so that is kind of our, our ultimate longing. But, you know, Chelsea, I was thinking too, like, sometimes we get really stuck in this bad theology of, of what you just said of, we expect God to come through for us. Like we did this We we followed your, like we followed your commands, God, we, we've been obedient. We're, we're doing the right thing. So why, you know, 
why is this not happening? And we, but trusting God, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think when we read scripture, when we actually read scripture, um, not kind of imposing what we want it to say, but read scripture and let God's word speak for itself. Nowhere in scripture are we promised. I mean, actually, we're promised the opposite. Christ right. says, take up your cross and follow me. And in this world, you will have trouble and, and tribulation. So I think, um, you know, I'm still su- surprised when suffering comes into life. And um, I shouldn't be because God's word says it's it's part of being a Christian. Um, so I think that's been a very, that over years and years as I've, you know, hopefully <laughs> the time between being, frustrated and surprised that this trials in life but between surrendering um is getting shorter but um it's so easy for me to forget um so such a forgetful person and um that's why we need daily prayer and scripture reading and, and community to hold us accountable so but i think reading scripture we see you know the opposite is is true yeah i agree and i think it is just for all of us like remembering is a spiritual discipline and so like remembering that what god has done for us where we were um remembering the gospel and preaching it to ourselves every day is such a good uh reminder okay we said we talked a little bit about mother's day at the beginning of this and mother's day can be a difficult time for many women who have experienced either loss or longing or both Um, So how can churches, I know we have a lot of like women's ministry leaders who listen, how can churches both celebrate moms because they're worth celebrating, but also recognizing those in the room who don't have a child to hold and are maybe missing that on that Sunday? I think we can, uh, churches um, can be thoughtful about doing both. Um, I've seen some churches, um, you know, do it really well where they... um, you know, whether it's in the, the prayer before the sermon or even in the sermon, um, acknowledge, you know, Mother's Day can be hard. Even if you aren't, even if you have children, you may have had a hard relationship with your mother or your mother may have passed away. I mean, there's so many ways that Mother's Day can be hard. And I really appreciate when pastors um, rightly celebrate women in that God-given role um, but also acknowledge that it can be a harder day for for some people, um, women. But it can also be a hard day for men who might want to be, you know, might want to be dads. Um, Father's Day might be the closest example, but men who have had hard hard relationships with their mom as well. So I think churches I've seen do it really well will um, hold both of those intention and, and rightly celebrate and acknowledge. Uh, women in that role, but also acknowledge the tension of it being a, it can be a a trickier day for, for some. And I think even just giving grace to some of the women who it is a tough day. I had a friend that she had um, a child that passed away at a very young age. And I remember there were several years that she was just like, I just can't do Mother's Day. I can't. I can't be there. And I, I thought, I don't know that I could. I think it would be really hard. Um, and I have a, another friend that her daughter just lost a baby at, you know, 30-some weeks. And 
And just going through all of that and just, you know, seeing the grief. And so giving grace to women that have gone, like, it, there is a lot of grief in, in yeah. this as well, for sure. For sure. And okay, so, also, yeah, go ahead. Oh, Kelly, I was no, just going to no, say. No, go ahead, Elizabeth. Um, and we'll get to this maybe a little bit more later on, but also acknowledging the spiritual mothers. that, mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I've been in churches that have done that, and it's done really well. And, like, some women may never biologically have children, but they have all of these spiritual children that they teach in Sunday school or they do. And so just kind of acknowledging that as also an important mothering role, I think is also a great way to honor um, everyone in your congregation. Yeah. Chelsea, you told us that you're really kind of your story of adoption is still part of the journey. So give us a little bit of an update and, you know, what, what has that been like for you? Well, I come at adoption um, from a a more unique perspective as well, because I was actually adopted internationally myself. Um, My parents adopted all six of my siblings. uh, So we grew up with adoption being part of our story, all all international. Um, And my husband and I are pursuing an international adoption. So we've been matched with a little boy. We're adopting from India. We've been matched with a little boy. And it's so interesting. There's certainly going to be big parts of our stories that are very, very different, but the way we're joining uh, our family is going to be the same. So I'm really excited to get to share that with him. And, um, you know, as he's navigating his story, uh, there's a level of understanding that he and I will have, which is really, really special. Um, But again, the the more unique part um, is Michael, my husband knew dating that if he were to marry me, the way we would build our family would be adoption. Um, and I mean, as you can probably imagine, we had some really hard conversations. I had a background with adoption. Michael didn't. Um, so he was processing through a lot of that. <laughs> processing through It was just uh, a lot of very hard conversations, but ultimately got married. And um, it was really neat. He, um, he, has been public about this. So he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but he came to me uh, one day when we were dating and said, um, cause he was thinking through, you know, loving a child who's not biologically yours. And he said, I've, I've been praying and the Lord impressed upon my heart that um, being a parent isn't raising a child who looks just you. It's raising a child who's, you know, tending to their heart to make them look like Christ. And um, so we're both so excited. It's, uh, adoption's complex. It always begins with loss. Um, even if a child's adopted, you know, the first day of their life, it, it begins in a break of the natural order, the order of the family. So, um, knowing that there's loss in our son's story, um, and, um, I mean, we've read books and we've prepared, but, um, but we are hoping and praying to get to travel, uh, second half of this year to India to to bring him uh, home. Wow! Well, we can pray that for you for sure. Thank you. I'm, I want to back up a second because I don't think I realized. Uh, so your parents, when they adopted you, there were six of you, all at the same time. Yes, they didn't all adopt at the same time. No. Oh, okay. So. I was like, wow! <laughs> so I cannot so imagine. <laughs> yeah. So they adopted my brother. None of us are biologically related. They adopted okay. my brother and I from Romania, and then over the years adopted for more children from Russia. Okay. I thought mm-hmm. if they went from zero to six, 
That's that would nuts. be quite a Now I have known some people that have gone from zero to three. That's um, true. And that's so true. that's that's a lot too. But yes, yeah. I do have, I do have a friend that did that too. That's for sure. Yeah. Zero to six would be quite the change. Um, I feel like you yes. just have to like lock the doors and just be like, deliver our yes. food. We can't yes. <laughs> this. survival is the goal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've talked to I have a friend that had twins and she said cool. that that's what all the twins' parents told her is like just the first year is survival. You just, you celebrate <laughs> that you made it through the first year, all of you still alive. Like, she, yes. they were like, don't worry about milestones. Don't worry about schedules. Just try to stay alive. And I was like, I appreciate that. Yes. So I think uh, adopting six at the same time would definitely mean that. For yeah, for everyone. sure. For sure. So we, we alluded to this a little bit, but you have a chapter in your book called Ways to Live Out the Longing. So what are some of the examples that you give for being a mother, even while waiting? Well, I think, Elizabeth, you touched on it earlier with the spiritual motherhood. Um, and I love that you brought that up because there are, um, you know, in Genesis, we see that God made us male and female. He made us gendered people. Um, and he called called us very good as male and female. And so um, I think part of the female design is to get to mother, even if it's not um, in our immediate family. And so I love that you brought that up because there's ways, um, there, there's ways I've tried to practice this in my own city through, um, discipling younger women in my church. Um, I serve as a, a CASA, which is short for court appointed social advocate. So I match with the, uh, youth in foster care and I get to get to know them and, um, pour into them. Uh, but there's so many different ways that that we can do this. And there's so much, there's so much need. Um, especially I'm in my thirties. I certainly don't have it figured out, but love getting to meet with, with women in their twenties or even, um, teenage girls who, um, are just, I can't imagine what it's like to be a teenager right now or in your early twenties. And I struggle enough with, you know, technology and things like that and helping, um, get to walk, walk alongside other women, um, I think is a really beautiful gift. Um, so I, I love the concept of spiritual motherhood. And I think I'm not going to remember the book. So if you guys know, okay. <laughs> remember, but there's a C.S. Lewis book that talks about um, the woman, she's in heaven and all these children are falling behind her and it's going to make me tear up, but I just love voice? that. Yes. Yes. Um, and she never marries, but she has um, all these souls she's poured into and so i think um there are so many ways to um to fulfill uh and it's certainly not the same i'm not pretending it is but there's so many ways to get to um to to use the gifts of of pouring into to others um whether it's children god gives us biologically through adoption or um, sisters in Christ or, or sharing the good news of the gospel. There's, there's so much need and there's, uh, lots and lots of ways that we can step into that. Yeah. And I love how you talked about in Genesis, like being created as man and woman. And we were created with this innate sense of like nurturing and mothering to like make it into a verb. And I think that that's something that we can, if you, 
are feel that need at your church, ask your women's minister, ask your pastor how you might step into a mothering role. Like, um, I'm sure a lot of pastors would love to have someone that they could refer young women to um, that need that kind of more um, nurturing, womanly uh, presence. I was trying to think of a word presence in their <laughs> lives. So, yes, I think that's great. And I love I loved that chapter and how you talked about all the different ways. And obviously there's foster care. There's, like you said, CASA volunteers. Um, There's lots of ways to get involved with orphan care. If you are um, longing for motherhood, you can do it that way. And so, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Even just when you think about the people, if you're not called to maybe foster, I think we all are called to, to come along beside in our churches and support them and help them out and do whatever we can to just, you know, be there for for these families and to celebrate the things that they're doing. Um, even if it's not you personally, I think that that's, there's, there's ways that we can all be involved in this as, for sure, for sure. All right, Chelsea, we're going to switch gears a minute because I do want to hear a little bit about your new book. And so it's about women in the workplace. So tell us a little bit about that. So I am so excited about this book. And in some ways, I view it as playing on the themes I started in Longing for Motherhood, um, talking about womanhood and what that means. And um, so the, the book is titled Called to Cultivate a Gospel Vision for Women in Work. Um, and I uh, have walked through some career highs and lows in the workplace. And um, that had, had forced me back into the doors of the bookstore. There weren't that many books on women and work. Um, There's some that are coming out this year, which I'm so excited about, but um, I really wanted to cast a vision for um, all women are called to work. Some are called to work inside the home, some outside the home, and some a combination of the two, depending on the season. Um, But if you look at at Genesis again, um, the the creation mandate is given to both Adam and Eve. Um, And again, this looks different for different women and in different seasons, but um, one of the things I tried to do um, in both Longing for Motherhood and Call to Cultivate is to talk about how, and, you know, we I'm sure we've all heard this, that a woman's highest calling is to be a wife and mother. And while both of those are good, godly, God-designed roles, not every woman is called into those Um I love the example, Elizabeth Elliot talks about this, that she was called to be the wife of three different men throughout her life. Um, so, so even those of us who have maybe stepped into one of those roles, it might not be life, lifelong. Um, so, so while those are good roles, uh, God-ordained roles, um, the, the calling of every woman and every man um, is to glorify God and love our neighbor. The great commandment and the the uh, great commission is our highest calling. Um, so I've really talked about that in the first one and the second one, but I'm so excited to talk about uh, what it means to be a woman in the workforce and, and what the Bible says about work and, and women. And I'm very excited about this next yeah. book. When does yeah. it come out, Chelsea? October 23 this year. Oh, okay, oh, nice. so it will be this nice. year. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm sure maybe by the time this comes out, you can pre-order it. We'll we'll put a link um, yeah. or something in the yeah. show notes, or at least a reminder to people what it's called so they can um, 
look it up and maybe pre-order it. But I'm excited to read that because I think that's something that, yeah, more and more women are kind of thinking through, I think, um, in a good way. Um, Definitely. So this is the Marked Podcast. And as you know, we ask every week, what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? I'm going to try to answer this, this briefly, but I really do. Um, one of the things that has encouraged me so much, and I, I was born with a body that's different, and it can be so easy to be frustrated at that and, and feel frustrated at what I look at as a broken body. Um, but something I love about... Um, Jesus's resurrection is that he left um, the holes, uh, the nail-pierced holes in his hands um, to to demonstrate his body was broken for us and he was raised again. And um, on this side of eternity, my body is different than I wish it was. Um, But I can look to him and we can read about his body being broken for us, but then his resurrection. and, and know that that's the end of our story, too, is resurrection. And um, th- we know the end of our story. So I think the thing that has marked me is being able to um, look to Scripture and see ways uh, to filter through. Um, again, I can look at my body and say, it's broken. And post, post-fall, post-Genesis 3, it is. Um, but, but being marked with a broken body that will that God has promised He will one day um, redeem, restore, uh, resurrect all things, and so that to me gives me such comfort and such hope in the midst of sorrow and suffering and um, a broken world. But but being marked um, as a Christian um, and, and and looking towards. Um, towards that day um, when all will be made right. I think that really does shape my everyday here on this side of eternity. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great perspective to have. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. And I just want to encourage our listeners that um, this is a, a topic that we know that we don't take lightly. And we know that there are women who are listening that, that this does sometimes this topic can, can bring up, a lot of maybe emotions and just the longing of, of our desires of our heart. And so we do want to just um, encourage you. We believe that Chelsea's book would be an encouragement to you. And so we are, we are thinking about all of you during this time and uh, whether you are celebrating the fact that maybe you are a biological mother or that you are longing for that kind of motherhood and maybe even just being the spiritual mother that God has called you to be. So Chelsea, thank you for just your encouragement for your faithfulness to write this book. Thank you. All right, listeners, thanks again for joining us for the March podcast. And Elizabeth and I will be back next week. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. 
If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.